is a Grower Group podcast produced in conjunction with Bayer Crop Science. On this podcast, we'll discuss the great efforts and events going on in the Grower Group networks right around Western Australia. We hope you'll enjoy it and get involved in the Grower Group conversation. Well, welcome to the Sterling to Coast Farmers podcast. This is episode two. A few weeks ago, we ran episode one and had a great response to that. And we had the CEO, Nathan Dovey, on there talking about a whole range of topics and projects that are going on in the Stirlings to Coast Farmers area. But we also had Philip Honey, the Smart Farms coordinator with us. And he's again with us today to talk about some specifics on Smart Farms. How are you today, Phil? I'm going great, Craig. Thanks for having us on the show today. No worries. Really good. Look, it was really interesting last time we covered a whole range of topics and one of those being the smart farms. There are two that the Stirlings to Coast are working with and you're the smart farms coordinator. And importantly, we said that in future episodes of the Stirlings to Coast Farmers podcast, we would uh, look at you know giving a little bit of an update on some of the technology, some of the specifics, because really what the project's all about, Phil, is sort of testing out and having a look at these uh, bits and pieces of technology and gadgets and ideas um, and how they all fit together in a real farm situation. So how's the project going at the moment? Yeah, it's going well. So um, we've had the depot fundings finalised on that um, in April. So what we're doing now is we're at the extension phase. So all of our ag tech equipment's been installed. That includes a range of soil moisture probes uh, from some suppliers and some stations that we've actually developed in-house. We've got remote rain gauges, we've got uh, full weather stations, we've got tank level monitoring, we've got Wi-Fi between buildings and within buildings, so we're actually also improving connectivity at the farm level as well that our you know, farmers require to be able to access their sensor networks. Yeah, sounds really interesting, and I think that's what's important. You know, there's a lot of small components, um, each with their own, you know, technicalities and and you know specifics with them, and that's what's really great about this Smart Farms project is that you're looking on a real farm situation, as you said. Now, have installed all that equipment and bring it together as a as a whole, I suppose, to help Sellings to Coast members understand, you know, how it might work and which sort of things are, are going to make some improvements for them on their property. So let's touch on a few of those. Um, Specifically now, and we might just start with you said that the soil moisture probes are now in and they've settled quite nicely with the recent rains, Phil. That's it, yeah. So we've um, we had a bit of rain over the last couple of weeks, which is great for our area. Um, it was looking a little bit dry. And, um, yeah, look, the, the moisture levels have actually started to track up, which is quite good. Um, these soil moisture probes, we've buried approximately 30 centimetres below the surface, so uh, they're there for the long term. They won't get affected by machinery and yeah it's it's really good to actually see that moisture starting to accumulate again yeah that is really good and what's the plan sort of with all of these things about access to you know that information and how you know so people in the area can actually make use of that that whole network yeah definitely so it really depends on um on the technology that we've put in and whether the, the farmer's willing to share it at the end of the day mm-hmm. um if the farmer's willing to share it, then we're more than happy to help farmers share it within the network. Um, we've got access to a great platform called Pear Tree, uh, which allows us to be able to access any sensor type, whether it's from supplier A or supplier B. We can actually have them all displayed on the one page. And, um, yeah, we've got that flexibility to, to share. Yeah, it sounds really good. Um, I mean, Phil... You know, more information on this could be from you directly, I suppose, and scfarmers.org.au is the website as well for contacts there. Is that the best way to get in touch or what other sort of avenues have you got 
uh, field walks yeah. or anything like that sort of coming up eventually in the in the future? Yeah, so um, Stones Coast have got a couple of events coming up within the next few months. Um, obviously, with the COVID and that, we're really excited to start um, catching up with people again. So towards the end of September, 23rd, we've got a spring field day, which will be located in the Mount Barker sort of Kendanup area. And then also we've got an event that we've co-partnered with WA Producers Co-op called Great Southern Livestock 20, and that's on the 22nd and 23rd of October. And the great thing about that is is that we'll, on the first day, have a half-day farm tour of one of our smart farms at Mount Barker. Well, that'll be really interesting. I'll be uh, trying to come along to that for sure because it's really important to see how these things all fit together. So let's touch on a few more. So soil moisture probes and some data starting to come in from those now, but you sort of mentioned also that you're looking at some uh, nitrogen effects and strip trials, some subsurface drainage, and also you talked about a um, a thing where we can look at, you know, um, standardising yield maps over a number of seasons. So let's just step through those. Let's perhaps go to the strip trials first and tell us a bit about what you're doing in that space. Yeah, so on our on one of our smart farms out Wichita Way, uh, we've grabbed quite a few years' worth of yield data out of the header. Made we made sure that it's all accurate and you know hasn't got any real glaring obvious um, issues with the data. And we've done a, a process called multi-year standardised analysis. And what that simply means is is that we can stack all of the yield maps together. Doesn't matter if it's canola, wheat, barley, whatever. It standardises them on a zero to one hundred percent scale. So those areas that are high yielding are one hundred percent, and those that have the lowest yielding are zero. And what that gives us is it gives us a, a stability map at the end of the day. And with that stability map, we can also see how likely that is to change. So we can create a map that uses every year's worth of yield data, or we can just create a, a map that might be all the dry years or all the wet years. And depending on how the season's tracking, we can then make a variable rate map. So as part of the uh, Smart Farms initiative on this farm, we've actually done that and we've implemented strip trials in the process so we've got three different rates scattered across the paddock and then we've got four test strips that run across the low medium and high yielding areas of that map that we've created so we have that ability to actually measure fertilizer response throughout the season really interesting uh, you call it sort of stability map in a way um, which is fantastic to see you know is it worth placing the investment there in more more nutrition or some other factor, I suppose, as you learn more about this, or is it uh, an area that needs some other mitigation or you know um, amelioration done to it or whatever to, to bring it up to that that sort of higher level of stability? So yeah, really nice concept there, and I'm sure yeah. uh, listeners are going to really enjoy getting to understand how these can work and and uh, make improvements on their own farms. Phil, that's it, and I, I think one real important thing was the first application of the season, and the farmer was looking at it applying probably around the 140 kilos a hectare mark on urea. And uh, by the time we've actually made that map and had a 200 kilo strip in there, he only actually put on 144 kilos on average across the whole paddock. So it wasn't excessively higher. It was more putting those nutrients in those places that needed it the most. Yeah, I'm sure no one would uh, object to that, putting it where it's needed and going to make a difference instead of, uh, you know, everywhere and, uh, you know, have those ups and downs. It's really good to, um, to sort of get a good handle on that. And I like this project. Sounds really, really interesting. That's it. 
And of course, Phil, along with nitrogen and you know nutrition and a lot of other factors, subsurface drainage, you know, can be something that is not often seen. But you know, in the region you're talking about, potentially uh, waterlogging can be an issue in more seasons than not. Um, you know, you're doing some work there on subsurface drainage. So tell us a little bit about that too. Yes, yeah, so we recently awarded um, a GRDC trial investigating the return on investment of subsurface water, water management um, within the Albany Court Zone and South Coast NRM were awarded the Esperance Court Zone as well. The premise behind the uh, subsurface water management project is to uh, test out whether the slotted pot is an economically viable method of managing the subsurface water um, as part of the project, we'll be carrying through uh, a range of workshops which farmers will be directly involved. It will go through all the legal process with a process called Notice of Intent to Drain, which is a, a paperwork that we've got to log or lodge with the WA Department of Ag um, to get the drains approved and minimise any off-site sort of influence of excess water flow. And we'll also start using a bit of technology there that will measure uh, water content at that sur a subsurface level. So we'll also be using soil moisture probes and comparing a drained versus undrained scenario. Yep, no, good stuff. I mean, yeah, when I was uh, working for the Department of Agriculture back in Lake Grace in the 1990s, Phil, I would certainly remember those NOIs or Notice of Intents to Drain quite vividly. So, uh, yeah, good to see that's still around and very important part of this process. But importantly, you know, if it is um, viable and makes sense, then could be a really good thing for the region that you're operating in there to help grow better crops or you know give us a larger bucket to to farm on. that's it yeah so phil we've talked a lot there about cropping projects and uh, smart farmed applications but of course you know really important also is in the livestock space and i know that you mentioned um, water gate or water tank sensors before and yeah just wondering uh, how that sort of works and how that fits into the livestock operation yeah, definitely, Craig. So on our smartphones, we're actually testing two different brands. We're testing the FarmBot system and also the LNX system. Um, and both systems are different in both pricing but also in the feature set as well. So the FarmBot being a little bit more pricier than the LNX um, has given us a few other extra additions such as um, SMS alerts and also the ability to add on rain gauges and other sensors onto that station. I think what's really important is is that farmers need to look a little bit beyond the upfront price of what these technologies cost because we did a, we did some basic maths on return on investment on that farm bot system and for example a 14k drive to check a tank uh, the, the system was paid off within nine months and that's not including any other operational benefits that might be gained from installing that equipment as well. Yeah, and again, another example of smart farms, you know, what it's actually sort of showing everyone, I suppose, because yes, the upfront cost is certainly important, but um, a lot of times investing well uh, means you save there in the long run and get that better return on investment. So it's great to have a project like smart farms to actually uh, sort of bring this sort of information to the top and help people make informed you know, choices as to what they can do, Phil. So that's really good. And I know the GS Livestock 20 um, that you talked about later on in the year, in October 22nd and 23rd, there'll be a whole range of livestock stuff on show, I'd imagine, at that. That's correct, yeah. So we've also had um, heritage seeds and uh, direct seeding based here locally in Albany. They've come out and planted some... Uh, different 
pasture demos and there'll be also some loosened perennials, rye turnip, pea clover and quite all those sort of things to look at. And we'll also have um, some trade displays there looking at other technologies such as EID and livestock industry support. Yeah, really good. Oh, looking forward to that. Sounds fantastic. Um, so it's 22nd, 23rd of October. And you also said prior to that will be the 23rd of September looking at the Springfield Day in the Mount Barker, Kendanup area. That's it. Very good. Well, thanks very much, Philip. That's uh, great to touch on a few of those topics. And I'm sure as we move forward on the Stillings to Coast Farmers podcast, we'll bring more and more of those. I think on the next episode, we'll get Nathan on to talk about some of the projects that are going on uh, around the traps, other projects outside of Smart Farms. We'll also get Phil Mackey potentially as well to talk on the hyper-yielding project in the high rainfall zone. So that'll be really good. But Philip, thanks very much for joining us today on the podcast and listeners can get more information at scfarmers.org.au Phil you're on Twitter what's your Twitter handle? Yeah so Phil underscore honey and the Sterlings to Coast group one is Sterlings to number two coast at Sterlings to coast and you can get on Twitter and have a look at some of those things that Phil's actually talked about um, including that direct seeding and things I noticed and a few nice photos out and about when you're out doing things with this technology thanks very much Phil catch you later cheers Craig listening to this Grower Group podcast produced in conjunction with Bayer Crop Science. You can get more information about Grower Group activities from the Grower Group Alliance at gga.org.au and Bayer is a strong supporter of Grower Groups right around Australia and you can get in touch with us at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening. <laughs>